0: Welcome to
1: the Brave New Workforce. I'm one of your hosts, just one, Larry Cornette. and I'm joined by the wonderful Trip O'Dell and Anna Codina. How are you guys? Doing really well, Larry. And I like the way you're saying H Codina these equals, days. <laughs> it's it sounds really cool, doesn't it? Anna Claudina. <laughs> yeah. I just, it sounds, I wish my name sounded that cool.
2: Yeah, I sound very like I'm ready to teach a salsa class or something. You know what I mean?
1: You might be.
0: You might be. <laughs> You're a woman of many talents. Hey, before we kick off with our guest today, did you guys see the news today? Which ones? The I don't even know where to <laughs> begin. Chairman <laughs> what chairman the Federal so- Reserve speaking to other central bankers across the world said that the economy as we knew it might be over oh god
1: (laughs) wonderful sounds
0: Sounds very stable (laughs) well i mean these are these are not people that are prone to jumping (laughs) jumping you know into hyperbole but it sort of is validation that whatever's coming out is changed it's going to be different yeah and that's what makes our next guest so relevant to all of this because absolutely our good friend chet garcia is joining us today and chet is at the tip of the spear who he's an executive recruiter who is finding the next generation of talent and he comes from a very interesting model so chet is here to talk to us about finding that dream job in the brave new economy chet welcome to the brave new workforce thanks for having me
3: i'm excited to be here
0: so yeah, let's start a
1: little bit with, um, I think what's interesting is the fact that your agency, your firm has been distributed and remote from the beginning. I remember you and I talked about this a long time ago.
3: Yeah, we. so I joined the firm as a remote employee three and a half years ago, and I came from teaching, which at the time was about as anti-remote as it gets. Of course, today is a little different, but uh, you go from talking all day to 30 odd kids several times a day to being a remote employee. was quite a shift. Um, And my role at the time was very focused on sourcing and, you know, market research and not a lot of conversation. Um, So it was a, it was a different, different world altogether, but the flexibility was really enticing the ability to build my schedule around my son's day and uh, walk him to school, pick him up midday uh, hang out with him in the afternoon and then jump back online at night was was a lot of uh, of good stuff that I wanted to try out. So I joined the firm and it's been a great three and a half years and we've learned a lot over those.
0: Now, Chet, you've we've known each other for years. I mean, we've been talking in Slack and we've never actually met in person, but we've had a number of great conversations. We've helped each other out over the years. And so now being able to put a face with the voice on the other end of the phone or in Slack is really great. But you look familiar because um, as you know, I moved from Seattle to Philadelphia over this summer and I thought I saw my doppelganger, another good looking bald man go in the <laughs> other direction.
3: Yeah, just ships ships, was that you? ships passing in the night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we were probably driving at similar times at some point.
0: I made the move from Seattle back to uh, near my family around Philadelphia. Like what was the what precipitated that move for you?
3: Um a number of things, mainly wanting a bit more space, a bit more outdoor life, a bit more of that nature, and we were we had moved to Philly um, my wife knew the area we had, we have some family in, um, lower Bucks County and they let us stay with them and kind of get our feet under us, really be able to buy a house, those kinds of things that we weren't able to do in the Bay area where I grew up. Um, but after five years of owning a home and and all of that, we wanted a bit of, like I said, more of that nature, more of that space, a little closer to family. And so we felt like we could make the move back and get all of that. Um, my wife also didn't really want snow anymore um even though they didn't get that much in philly and i was fine to leave the humidity so (laughs) those were those are two big things but also from a work perspective we are remote but we i would say our nucleus is more west coast in terms of operations like our clients 70 percent. but i would say we we live more on west coast hours so i found myself sort of on more uh, west coast hours which wasn't yeah, it, having experienced the difference is, a, a, I would say, a big plus. And I was excited to, to get back to that. So um, I would say both things, really. But um, yeah, the space has been great. We found a wonderful home in Sacramento. We're really excited to explore. So
1: so yeah, now you're, now you're not too far from me. Yeah. We actually might be able to get together again in real
3: life. I know. I'm seeing all of <laughs> your been hiking while. pictures, and I can't wait to to go check those places out.
1: Yeah, you're close to it now. So I'm curious, one of the things that um, that people are struggling with is engagement and, and trying to keep people engaged. And I know for, for you guys, it's kind of two different parts. I mean, there's one is staying engaged as a company and building the culture. And you were talking a little bit about that. The other is that you've got clients. So people that retain your services that you have to work with and Before maybe some of those meetings were happening in person. Now it has to all be virtual, and then you have the candidates that you're sourcing. So it's all the talent you're looking for. And again, now that all has to be virtual. So how do you juggle all that? And what's what's been your strategy for keeping those folks engaged through this virtual relationship?
3: I think it's really more of a mindset than a strategy. We we really try to keep people first. That's our mindset. That's our motto. That's our culture in all in all aspects of, of what we do and so whatever our approach is it's understanding that people have life happening really intermixed with their day-to-day work right Pandemic work is not quote remote work. it's you know forced remote work with less flexibility if anything. Um, and so trying to be just understanding of people's challenges the things they're going through the fact that family's going to be running in and out of the room while you're you know presenting whatever the case may be and and then finding means of connecting with people uh, in a real human way uh, is is probably the best way that we've found to engage with them because then you're building a true relationship you're getting to know what their strengths and weaknesses are what excites them and, and how best to help them because our job isn't to just place people it's to find the right marriage between someone on at their own inflection point and a company going through its own and uh and the culture match there and all those things and so the ability actually to get to know the person at that core human level yeah i would say that's where we try to focus and and stay that people first mindset
0: so chet let's take a little bit of a step back because i think when people say recruiter uh that has certain certain uh connotations to it with linkedin and lots of lots of emails and that sort of thing but that's not really what you do uh you know a lot of people may not have uh a sense of the difference between say a recruit you know your sort of -of run-of-the-mill recruiter and how they operate and someone who is actually in retained search uh and the and the the types of roles you're asked to fill And I've got to imagine that for some of the people you're talking to, the idea traditionally of relocating their family and so forth is, is, is a steep ask. So maybe talk a little bit about the, like what your company does and what you do and how those conversations have changed as we've moved into more openness to remote.
3: Yeah. So uh, it starts really with the community that we live in, which is the, the venture capital community first and foremost. So the, the different firms that are out there that you hear about all the time, the blue chip VC firms, they introduce us to their portfolio companies, typically at the seed, series A, series B stages, right? When they're getting different stages of funding and they're going through different growth points in their in their journey. And so then we partner with them and it's meant to be a true partnership. We're basically acting as an extension of our clients and we do get retained, which means we get paid up front, but that's, all about accountability and transparency and partnership. And that's why it's, it's really critical. Whereas in contingency, it just depends. I'm not going to say that all are not good or whatever the case may be, but they have um, their own priorities and they're working a lot of different things. And there isn't that accountability to, to the fee, to the partnership, to all the things that are going on there that, really make it a, a two-way street in retain search where we expect the client to act a certain way and they expect a lot of us and that's why it works so well so we work with those startups to find you know critical leadership generally head of vp layer director layer as well uh, to help them build out certain functions i specialize in the technical side which lives in engineering and product management other folks do sales and marketing heads of talent hr that kind of thing um, but we partner with those firms and we're really about getting to know them inside and out, which is what I was talking about, where we learn about them at a human level, what motivates them. We learn about the company and it, you know all the nooks and crannies, the good, the bad, and the indifferent all the way through so that we can try to step into their shoes, essentially, and go out into the market and talk to candidates who are ready for that next step, whatever that is, whether they're maybe a senior director at a Series D, Series E company but I've never been the head of a department, head of a of an entire organization of engineers, and it's their job to build that and figure out how to grow that. So that's that's where we specialize, and and that's why it, it is very different than contingency, because you are you're really trying to uh, I would say make a marriage, right? You're really trying to to guarantee essentially that this is going to work really really well, and that this person is going to help. Um, the executives become a team, right? You're meshing that together. Whereas at more of the IC level, blending of personalities and things like that tends to happen a little more easily than folks that are leading their own orgs stepping into that. So you really have to have a good sense of what's going on.
0: So I have to imagine that getting to know, I mean, you're talking to very senior, very established, very accomplished talent. Uh, at these hot startups or large corporations. And there's a lot of relationship development and engagement that's required for that. What's always, what's, what's been the sticking point typically uh, when you're trying to get them to join a venture or large corporation or what have you in some place?
3: Yeah, it depends. Um, it really depends. It's very unique, right? Um, some people have different risk tolerances, you know, uh, different abilities to, uh, understand equity and what that means and whether that's of interest to them, because you do have to have a belief that the equity will become valuable someday in order to, to join a startup when you're leaving somewhere where you might be getting a higher cash component of your, um, of your compensation than you will at a startup. Typically, you know, say a director at a Google is certainly not going to get paid Google director money, um, or even you know, whether they join a startup or not. So it's just generally gonna be a lower cash perspective. Um, and so people have to believe in that and want that, or being very mission-centric maybe, if it's uh, say health tech, sometimes that can be a big draw for people to be on that sort of mission-centric growth plan, or um, some people love the FinTech world. So there's usually, a lot of different motivations. And so you do have to spend a lot of time with candidates. Sometimes they join a call with you just to kind of get to know you and build that relationship with you. And then you learn a bit about their motivations, what's of interest to them. And then you keep tabs and kind of discuss different roles that come up throughout the year and you get to know them. I also do a lot of just um, advisory work with some of the candidates where they're trying to change industries maybe. Like a friend of mine moved from ad tech to SaaS. To, uh, to data to a data centric SaaS company SaaS software, which is a huge difference in terms of business model in terms of this, the uh, sales cycle back when I used to, you know, do sales searches. And we would just talk back and forth about the different conversations he was having with other recruiters with other hiring managers, etc. And just help him, you know, make his way over to that industry. So I talked to a lot of people about their plans and their, you know, hopes and what they want to do and try to give them some advice and you know our goal is to is to um not just sell a candidate on a role but to get to know them and be able to help them just as much as help our client because we we know we guarantee our work because we want to put the right person not just a person and and we want to help that person get the right opportunity not just the opportunity that's in front of us so um it, That's that's where we try to really spend time with candidates as much as clients and do proactive work with them and just stay and stay on top of mind for all of them.
1: So I know that when I used to have these conversations with executive recruiters, a big sticking point for me was relocation. And when you're working with somebody at the more senior leadership levels, they tend to be a little more established in their lives. Um, They have homes, they have kids in school. Lots of things that make it much harder to uproot and kind of move um, for a job. How has that changed now? Are are you seeing clients who are more open to saying, yes, we could have a leader who is in this virtual organization? Or are they still desiring to have leaders relocate to be where the, the center of operations is?
3: Yeah, I'd say it depends. Uh, I'd say there's more flexibility for sure on the whole uh there are certain companies that say hey we're a co-located leadership team and potentially the you know folks that are reports to the leaders can live in other locations but we want our leadership here um that's one extreme i'd say the middle is you know you can be an hour away you can be you know somewhere where you could come in a day or two a week and that works for us um and then there are a lot more companies that are just going full remote as they build their, their brand. So I think it depends on um, what you feel works for your company, but we're definitely seeing more flexibility and more uh, opportunity for remote uh, leadership work as it were. Um, but there's still plenty of companies that are like, hey, I, I've got to have this person local uh, and that we can make it more, like I would say the, the more normal situation is. We need someone in the Bay Area, let's say, if I'm working on a Bay Area search, um, but they can be in office you know, a couple days a week for that sort of uh, collaborative space that we want to create at least a couple times a week. And then the rest of the time, they can work from home. So if you're in San Jose, you could work for an SF company, but not have to make that commute. Right. Um, yeah.
1: One of the things that we've been predicting, which I think is going to take a little bit of time, But I think if this continues, the trend continues to have more companies embracing, hey, this is going to be kind of the way we operate forever. Shopify announced that. Twitter's announced that. A lot of different companies have said, yeah, we're not going back into an office. REI selling a big campus up in in, uh, Washington State. I have a feeling that this is going to open the doors for companies outside of the U.S. to start to attract U.S. talent because i i remember being recruited by a company that was you know a completely different country a couple different times one was in china one was in canada and i was like i just i just can't imagine making that massive move and moving to another country with my family and it's it's intriguing but i'm not quite ready to do that yet but if the conversation had been no it's fine this is going to be a remote position you can come visit us once a quarter once a month or whatever you know and work with the team or even never just stay completely virtual. Are you anticipating that perhaps there are going to be clients who approach your firm from outside of the U S looking for West coast talent?
3: It's possible. Certainly possible. I haven't had those conversations just yet. I would say the, I think people, the, the time zone issue might be, you know, something to really consider for a lot of people too. Um, you'd have to thread a needle with someone who's open to working, uh, say late, late at night, you know, if you're working with a company in Asia or something like that, where it's, you know, opposite time zones and that kind of thing. So you can get some synchronized communication going. Now, there are a lot of great new tools, obviously, for asynchronous work and things like that. But um, for the collaboration time where you want to be, you know, getting creative with somebody in real time, um, being in California and working with someone in India, say, is, you know, it, it, it takes practice getting used to that in terms of setting up your day-to-day, shutting off when you need to shut off so that you can be on when you need to be on and getting the sleep you need. So I, I could see that happening. Um, I think from a startup perspective, they typically like someone in their region um, or at least within a, a, an hour or two of the time zone um, to make it easier for that collaboration piece.
0: That That is tricky. I mean when i was consulting i i worked with a lot of clients that in fact i'm working for a former client now uh who was based in philadelphia and i was in seattle um i think but you know it's funny that you say well they're in the bay area and they're working with a team in india it's like that was tuesdays and thursdays for me you know it was either seven <laughs> was my life too. Or, yeah <laughs> seven a.m or eleven but i think yeah. a startup does change that a bit and i think that but there's also a risk uh in relocating people that people don't often talk about it's like what if it doesn't work out like i remember we had a great conversation a few years ago until we got to well we want you to move to large city in the south and uh i'm not built for heat like, that's just not my, that's not the way that I roll. Right. Uh, you know, and, and I think like there is, it's as much as moving to another country, moving from someplace like Seattle to uh, even a large, large, very cosmopolitan city in the South. It's a very different culture. And there's, there's sort of a fear of organ rejection. And like, is this person going to work out? Like, how do you mitigate those risks even for your onsite clients? Yeah. It's
3: a good question. I mean, we, we, haven't had too many candidates have to relocate for a search we just generally um have candidates just find a way to to get to where they need to be you know in the bay area it's typically an hour you know each way type of thing from san jose to san francisco is like the the long one um but that doesn't happen as often um in New York, Boston, those areas, people tend to be already going into those major cities for work, that type of thing. So we haven't had a massive issue. People have asked us to try to relocate someone. And we always push back, frankly, because like you just said, you might get a lot of activity for a really exciting opportunity. But is it real activity? Is someone really going to uproot their entire life to move to your your town? Uh, The stats say no. Like realistically, it's just not as as likely. So this does offer, you know, the remote life does offer the chance to hire someone from New York for your company in Atlanta or your company in Nebraska or whatever it is, um, where they can still get to know the company. And then if, you know, in two years time, it makes sense to relocate because there's something incredible happening and you need to be there for it, then so be it. But at least you're already in the company and it's not brand new for you. Um, so I, I do see flexibility by and large being, a you know, a growing trend for sure.
2: Well, Chet, I know that, uh, you're on a strict time limit here, so we don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, do you have any, I guess, final thoughts on where this is all headed maybe in the next five years to finish, uh, finish out the segment?
3: I think it is going to be headed in the way that is more individualized frankly from a founder perspective from a you know the leadership perspective people are going to get to choose where and how they want to build their teams you know and in, in a lot more uh, individualized way uh, in terms of the culture what works for your team not what works for the economy right like, you know it used to be if you're a tech startup then you're in the bay area uh, and or Seattle or you know those were like kind of the, the two new yorks becoming obviously a big hub for startups austin even atlanta is becoming a big hub north carolina so people are getting to choose where and how they want to do things and i think it's exciting i think it opens up a lot of possibilities for talent and a lot of possibilities for the networking that you get to do and the perspectives and the diversity of thought and i think that's going to open up a lot of doors for people that's going to make yeah, just working in general, a lot more fun.
0: So Chad, I know, you know, at your tier of recruiting, it's kind of a, don't call us, we'll call you. Like you, you kind of have to go out and discover those diamonds. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, people just don't apply for some of these jobs. Some right. of these jobs are confidential, but if someone did want to connect with you, what would be the best method for them to reach you? Uh, to maybe discuss about uh, a move in the technology area.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn. I've got my email and phone number on my profile, Uh, Check Garcia, Arte Partners. Feel free to reach out anytime. I'm uh, uh, open to conversations all the time. I love virtual coffee, and it's uh, a lot better for your waistline than real coffee. So um, no, I I just, (laughs) yeah, I I really enjoy chatting to people. And if the role I have isn't right for you, we'll find one that is or we'll find a way to help you get there.
1: So, so Chad, I just want to thank you again for making the time to to talk with us. I mean, I the thing that I find exciting is that recruiting is still happening, so the economy yeah. has a chance. So, Amen. Uh, despite some of the doom and gloom, yeah, it's, it's exciting to hear that companies are still looking for top talent.
0: Huh. Yeah, and despite what the Fed chairman says, better days are ahead. <laughs> I mean, Keep putting one foot put in, front, one of foot the in
1: front of
3: the other. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Anna, on. where can they learn more about us?
0: Anna doesn't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I do not know. Yes, uh, we have a website actually. Um it's called Brave New Companies.com. Is that what it's called? I think it's theBraveCompanies.com. Is it it's not?
0: TheBraveWorkforce.com uh, and Brave New Companies.com.
2: Yes. Okay, yeah. So it is Brave New com- <laughs> I know
0: Anna, what I'm doing. I'm so disappointed. <laughs>
2: Hi. You know what happened? It was my internet that threw me all off on this wild roller coaster. So, uh, yes, we have bravenewcompanies.com and then we have thebraveworkforce.com. Uh, you can email me at anna at the for any sort of questions you want answered and uh, thoughts or if you want to send us articles, go ahead and do that.
0: Awesome. Well, as always, great talking to you guys. And uh, I've already said it, so have a great holiday. Uh, You know, we got Thanksgiving coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we do. Get that turkey and Zoom going and uh, wear your masks. (laughs) uh, On the uh, Zoom
2: call? Okay.
0: Well, I'm I'm more risk averse than most. Okay. Uh, So, uh,
2: yeah. Distancing from your family trip?
0: Yeah. don't get me started yeah so uh but yes so uh happy thanksgiving to everyone uh listening to us here in the states thank you for your support this year so far and uh looking forward to more episodes in the upcoming months and years